Yeah. So self-care is critical and you're right. I see, especially when females typically are going to struggle with this more often than not. They seem to have that caregiver gene and not always, but very typically it's, it's yeah. female clients that are more, well, I, I can't because I have to fill in the blank. Right. Um, and they're taking care of, and this, I see this in some of the women in my own life, right? They're taking care of husbands, they're taking care of kids, they're taking care of work, they're taking care of all these other things, and they don't have time for themselves. And when they say something like, well, I don't have time to eat healthy because it requires additional preparation, or I don't have time to go to the gym, really what you're saying is, that's not, that's not my top priority. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, physical therapist turned weight loss coach. I used to struggle with emotional eating, consistency, and confidence. Then I made my health a priority and learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all. I changed my mindset and lifestyle to lose weight with small, sustainable changes. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, Dr. Morgan here. I just wanted to hop on and give you a quick shout out and thank you for listening to this podcast today. It means the world to me. I have so much fun creating this content for you. Today I had an interview with Kevin English. He's a certified personal trainer and nutritionist, founder of The Silver Edge, and the creator and host of the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. He's passionate about educating and inspiring men and women over over 50 to become the strongest, healthiest version of themselves. And he has a really incredible personal story too. And I think that's really what made this interview special was he he not only talks the talk, but he really walks the walk. And he was active earlier in life. And then in midlife, he kind of had quite a bit of a slump that he talks about in this interview. And it wasn't until he went to CrossFit with his daughter that he was really reinvigorated to pursue his highest health. And now he helps others do the same. I know that you're really going to enjoy this interview. We covered a lot of great topics. A few of the topics that you can look forward to would be the single most effective way for sustained motivation to exercise consistently. The secret to maintaining your muscle as you age, which we all want to do to boost our metabolism. Why mastering your mental and emotional state is crucial for mastering your physical state. And my favorite part, how to start feeling successful before you reach your goals, not once you reach your goals. Let's start feeling good now. I hope that you enjoy today's interview. Let's get to it. Kevin, thank you so much for joining the Reshape Your Health podcast. We're delighted to have you today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Morgan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, let's go ahead and get started with your story. I think you have recently started your new business. We want to hear all about it and hear why you started it, why you decided to make this shift in the middle of your life to really helping adults improve their fitness and their overall wellness. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I'll, I'll back up a little bit and give you just kind of a, a very high level v- overview of my life from a fitness and health perspective. So I grew up on a, a beef cattle farm in rural Pennsylvania. So I had all these wonderful advantages as a kid. I was I had raw milk and dairy and we had chickens and eggs and obviously a lot of beef. 
um, fresh vegetables out of the garden. So I had that wonderful start to my life. And unfortunately, somewhere in the high school ages, I kind of, I went away from that healthy lifestyle. I got involved in some partying and some other kind of bad things. And for a long time, my life just went downhill from a, from a, a wellness and health perspective. But I was always fairly active. I, I'd like, I'd love to surf. I live in coastal North Carolina now, and I stayed fairly healthy from an activity standpoint. And one day in probably my thirties, one of my brothers said, Hey, we should run a marathon. And I'd never done any running in my life. Uh, so <laughs> my two brothers and I trained and we did our first marathon and they were both one and done. That's fine. Checkbox did it. And I was addicted. I was hooked. Um, I didn't have a particularly good score. It was actually a pretty miserable experience, the actual run itself, <laughs> but that finish line feeling was, I wasn't prepared for it. I was very, very emotional. I was walking around afterwards and I was just telling myself, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And I couldn't understand what that was. And I went away from that experience and immediately got home, got on the internet and found another marathon. So I obsessed on marathons for a while. I ran, I don't know, half a dozen marathons in the next year or so and so did fun. the 10Ks, 5Ks locally. Uh, never particularly good, a mid-pack in my, in my age group. And during this time, I, I wasn't eating healthy. I was eating all the carbs, basically, when, indiscriminately, not dis, you know, distinguishing between broccoli and Twinkies, yeah. really. Um, but getting away with it. I was running a lot of miles, mm -hmm. got kind of bored with running. And the same brother who had talked me into doing my, my first marathon said, dude, we should try triathlons. Um, so I got into triathlons. That was my new obsession. And I did a bunch of triathlons. And again, not particularly talented. I was a mid packer. I was one of the first people out um, of the water on the swim. Typically, We'd get on the bikes and everybody that I outswam would come zooming past me. And I'd think to myself, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. I'm going to catch you on the run, which that doesn't happen. Uh, so I did that for a few years and just burnt out on it. Mostly it was the bike. I hated being on the bike all the time. And you got to put in a lot of time and yeah. a lot of hours into that training. So I say all that to tell you that I hit my mid forties, um, very unhealthy. I had completely stopped exercising, but I still mm. ate the same way I was, which was a lot. Um, I was drinking fairly heavily. And this is a time in my life when my career was going, I was married, I had my kids, I was very, very busy. I had a lot of stress, I suppose. And I just got very unhealthy. I put on some weight and with my frame that turned out to be a skinny fat condition. So while I was dressed, I didn't look particularly unhealthy, but I was quite unhealthy. So what happened next a few years later is my daughter, who was a young teen at the time, she was watching these YouTube videos of this woman who was a CrossFit champion, Sarah Sigma's daughter from Iceland. I don't know how she find, found that particular woman or why her, but she just was obsessed with her. And she would show me these videos and go, dad, we should do this. And I would say, oh yeah, we should. But I mean, this woman's doing cleaning jerks and she's lifting all these weights and she's doing these crazy gymnastics things. Um, well, long story short, my daughter finally one day said, dad, we need to go. I, here's a gym, let's go. So we drove around to a couple of gyms and we just went in, to, found a gym with a very, very friendly owner. And my life really, really changed. I was, 
I didn't think I was going to like it. I was there to support my daughter, just kind of meet her where she was. And that was a great way to, what a healthy thing to do, right? A great way to spend time with my daughter. But <laughs> today I'm still doing CrossFit and she's not. So, and we can talk about the, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly of CrossFit if you like. But for me, it was a couple of things. One, it was, I went in and I was the worst at everything. Um, and if you know CrossFit, we track everything. So every time you do a workout or a lift or something, you track it and it's, it's up for everybody to see. But there was this community as well, almost this cult-like community, if you will, yeah. um, that was surprising to me. It was very, very appealing. I didn't have that. I didn't have an outlet for my competitiveness. And this kind of hit, it kind of hit all those boxes. It was checking those boxes. In addition, I was learning all these new things, all these new movements. I was doing clean and jerks and snatches and toes to bars and all these kind of, and lots and lots of burpees all these new movements. And I was getting better at them. I could see, you know, week over week, month over month, year over year, my progression. And I really fell in love with that. So that's what really got me started from a fitness standpoint of saying, Hey, you know what, here I am in my mid fifties, I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. And then along with that, as you might guess, came the nutrition piece. Um, I had, I had, of course, eaten poorly most of my adult life and just with just a little bit of research started realizing, hey, it's, you're not going to go into your 50s eating the way you did and, and, and perform well. You're not going to do CrossFit at a higher level or any exercise really with that kind of a diet. So I really started geeking out on my diet, reading lots of books, everything I get my hands on. Of course, the internet's a wonderful and a horrible place at the yeah. same time for nutrition advice, as I'm sure all your, your folks know. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, I started geeking out on nutrition, started really, really dedicating myself to working out. And being in my 50s also started to look at recovery. Because when I first started, I, you know, I couldn't do that intense kind of workout every day of the week. Um, but I had to find out what is that right cadence for me, right? What, you know, how much work can I do and what's optimal and what is overtraining? etc. So that's in a nutshell, kind of how I got here from a fitness standpoint. Well, there's a lot to dig into, but I, I'm a very linear person. And so I'm going to backtrack just a little bit and ask what you did before. So tell us what your business is and who you help and tell us what you did before that. And what was really the, the thing or the point in time where you decided this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm meant to do. Right. So my entire adult life, I've been in sales. Um, and somehow, some way, 20 years ago, I fell into technology sales. So I was a, I sold technology solutions to large businesses. So if you think of cloud computing, you think of cybersecurity and data centers, all of that stuff. And whenever I tell people that, they kind of look at me like I'm really smart or geeky. And I'm not. I just, I don't know how I fell into that. <laughs> I just happen to be good at selling those things. Um, but here's the thing. I love the company that I work for. I love the job I was doing, but I had zero passion for technology. I, I don't particularly like it. Um, <laughs> you, you're so, selling it. <laughs> yeah, but here I am. Yeah. Right. Here, yeah. it, this is what I do. This is my, this is who I am, right? I'm this technology salesperson. Yeah. But somewhere in that transition, and it, 
again, it was that CrossFit piece that really kind of was the first time I really fell in love and geeked out on nutrition and exercise and performance and the way it made me feel. I really just, this light bulb went off and said, I want to share this with people. So, and you, you may have a similar story or know others that do. I was a little bit obnoxious at first. I just would tell anybody that would listen, Hey, you know, <laughs> this is, this is my story. I found this. It's, I feel great. I'm in the best shape of my life. But what happened was a year ago, January. So if just right before COVID, really, I made this kind of almost I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy, but I made kind of this New Year's resolution that I was going to start a fitness business. So in March of last year, I started a Facebook and an Instagram. I wasn't a social media person before that. I, I, I got a website on godaddy.com and built it. And I I signed up for precision nutrition, nutrition coaching certification course. I did an ACE personal training certification. Uh, of course, I got my obligatory CrossFit level one. I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. Yeah, <laughs> just that. Not that I would probably use that as much, but because I have a passion for it, it certainly yeah. did. Um, and I just started building my business. So I decided, okay, I'm going to write a blog and I'm going to start a podcast. And if you remember back to last March, that was right at the beginning of COVID. So what happened is in my job, my corporate job, I would travel quite a bit. And now all of a sudden I was home. I was home every day. And it just so happened that while this horrible pandemic was happening, I had made up my mind previously that I was going to start this business. And now I had the space to do it. Yeah. And so just slowly but surely, I, you know, I, I reached out to my first probably half a dozen podcast guests and said, hi. And at the time I had probably 10 followers on Instagram and they were my mom and my brothers and some other. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, hi, my name is Kevin. I'd love to have you on my podcast. And somebody would, you know, they'd look at me on, and this was via Instagram messenger. It was the only way I knew how to get in touch with people. (laughs) And they would look at me and say, you know, what, what podcast do you have? And said, well, technically I don't have one yet, (laughs) but people were amazing. Um, and all I really wanted to do was just bring people on and just like this, talk about, let's talk about what you do. Let's talk about what lights you up. Let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about training. Let's talk about competitions. Let's talk about recovery. And slowly but surely, I got these amazing people to come on my podcast. And what I found was happening was I was gaining a little bit of an audience. People were listening and taking, you know, just starting to notice but really what was happening is I was learning at the same time and I was building these con- wonderful connections with these wonderful people who I only know virtually. Right. Um, but I, yeah, so I, I, I made that transition and I've just, I'm just, I love it. I mean, it's, you know, I can say that in my mid fifties, not only am I, or I guess late fifties technically now, not only am I in the best shape of my life, but I'm as happy and as passionate about work as I've ever been. That is so important for people to hear that things can, things can be undone, you know, decades of an unhealthy diet you have undone through lifestyle changes to get to the place where you're at today, where you have energy, you have passion, you're, you're in the best shape of your life. And I have to give a little shout out to my neighbor. We call him Mr. Mike. He actually just finished his first Ironman triathlon on Sunday. Wow. And he said that there was a, a, 
somebody who was watching at the finish line and he has three little boys. And so as he was finishing, he was giving his boys high fives and, and the bypasser was, you know, saying afterwards, I got this video of you. I started crying. It was so inspirational. And I, I started to talk to Mike about the stories of the people that he met when he was doing the Ironman. And he said one lady, I mean, the race pretty much started, I think at around 4 a.m., maybe a little bit later. And it took her a whole day to finish. And like, she didn't make the cutoff time to start the marathon part. So for people who are unfamiliar with an Ironman, you swim a ton and then you bike a ton and then you get to run a whole marathon and there's different cutoffs. And so she missed the time where she was, where she was supposed to start running by 10 minutes. And she's like, I'm going to do it anyways. And so she finished alone at like 4am. I could, I'm like, wow. I want to cry. Yeah. And then there was another person who he was doing this when it was in Tulsa and he's done every Ironman in the world. So wherever the locations are, he's done them. And then there was another story and this was his 61st Ironman. And I thought now those would be good guests for our podcast. Cause you yeah. have a lot of really cool personal stories of people who have really accomplished some pretty cool physical feats. Um, so I, that's what attracted me to your podcast. Let's go ahead and talk about kind of getting into the, some of the strategy, you know, you, you've mentioned CrossFit and it is a cult. I'm sorry, but I've had, I'm not going to deny it. It Love it. And I would (laughs) try it, but here's the deal. We live in Plattsmouth, which is about 30 minutes uh, south of Omaha. Mm -hmm. And so the closest CrossFit gym to me is at least 30, 45 minutes away. I'm not going to get up at 5am to go to CrossFit. It is, it is a time and a financial investment. And so I want to hear from an insider, from a groupie, what is the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, I think it's so important that people realize it is for people in midlife. It's not just for these young fit people, like it's for everybody, but we need to understand a little bit better. Like, what are the, what's the good, the bad, the ugly, what are, why did, why is it so great? Like, why do people treat it like a cult? Yeah, I think probably to answer that last question first, why do people treat it like a cult? I think it's that community. Yeah. Um, it, there is just such a wonderful community in all of the, you know, I've not been in that many gyms and I will say that the one I go to is absolutely amazing, but it is such a supportive community. The person who finishes last in a workout gets just as much applause and high fives as the person who finishes first. Um, everybody's at their own level. And of course, walking in, that was very intimidating to me. I, bet. I, I yeah. was very weak. Um, I wasn't strong at all. I hadn't been working out. Um, I wasn't at all conditioned. I'd been a long time since I'd done any running. And you were swimming. endurance, you know, and, and, and I, my and background was endurance, but really my background different. before I went to CrossFit wasn't really anything Yeah, <laughs> drinking, I think, but yeah. so yeah, but here's okay. So here's the good you get in there and as an older individual, everything is scalable. So on the, there's a workout of the day, every day, there's a workout of the day and it's up on the, the board there and you see it and let's say it's, um, um, you know, it's heavy deadlifts and it's some pull-ups. So you would scale the deadlifts to what you could do. If if the prescribed weight was 325 pounds, but you couldn't do that, you could only do 200 pounds, you would do 200 pounds. If it was do it for 10 reps or do it for time, you would scale for whatever's appropriate. If you can't do pull-ups, well, maybe we'll do banded pull-ups. If you can't do that, we'll 
will find something to accommodate you. So I think that part's wonderful. And that goes to the, your point about it can be for people in there later in life, right? We have people coming in, wandering in 50, 60, even 70 years old. So the scalability is amazing. Um, and then some of the bad is we do things that, you know, now as a, as a certified personal trainer, I would, I cringe when I even, when I'm going to say this out loud, we do things like snatches for time. That's a standard workout. A snatch is a barbell from the floor directly overheaded without any pausing. It's a very fast, explosive movement, but it's a very technical movement. You typically see it in the, in the Olympics. Well, doing 30 snatches for time as an older person, you could make a pretty good argument that that's maybe not such a good idea. Fair enough. I admit that. I do that workout whenever it comes up and I love it. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's kind of your, your good and your bad. Uh, it's not for everybody. It is high intensity. And the other part that's bad is pretty much anybody can open a CrossFit gym. You have to have a CrossFit level one certification, but I think that's really the only requirement for opening a gym. And each gym is responsible for their own programming. Now they're supposed to follow good programming guidelines that are, that are given to them by uh, CrossFit HQ and CrossFit HQ gives fantastic programming advice and templates, et cetera. Uh, apparently not everybody does. So you could get in trouble if you've got a gung-ho um, owner or coach that's really just rah-rah and push, push hard. But yeah. what you're looking for is somebody that's going to come in. They're going to evaluate you. They're going to make sure that you have the at least the basic mechanics before they turn you loose. And so yeah, I think that's important, right? Getting that form because, you know, I'm a geriatric physical therapist. So I, I can see the, the snatches, yeah. I think you call them maybe mm -hmm. for time that might not be good. But like you said, can you just reach the floor and stand up and put your arms over your head? Even working on that basic mobility mm -hmm. is so crucial and so missed. Um, so while you're talking about this, I didn't realize it. You didn't know this. I used to teach jazzercise and it sounds kind of similar, like a franchised workout. Mm -hmm deal. Right. And jazzercise is certainly a cult too. I had to give that up um, when I started my own business, but yeah, it's the community feel you have fun. You feel encouraged. You feel energized. And I want to know a little bit more about the nutrition piece. Like what you said that you read a lot about nutrition, you did a certification. How did you match your nutrition to your new training regimen so that you could, you know, lean down and build muscle? Yeah. So you might, be aware that a lot of the CrossFit community is really into paleo. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's a thing. And I wasn't, I had kind of knew what paleo, you know, caveman, you can't escape these things in the media, but I didn't, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. And that's what really introduced me just to the whole foods, just to eating whole foods and not processed foods and really bringing that to my awareness. So that's the very first thing. CrossFit HQ has this saying for, it's called the hundred words of fitness. And it starts by saying, eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, and no sugar. Eat enough to fuel your exercise, but not enough to, that you'll gain body weight. Very, very simple advice. And as I, that's put, posted up on our CrossFit uh, in the gym where I, where I work out and it's just posted up there. And I see it every day eat meat, vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, <clears throat> uh, no sugars. And so I kind of took that to heart and I blew up my diet and I had done some experimenting with diet. I took all wheat out of my diet just to see if nothing happened, but just to see if it would, I took all dairy out. I've had a little, 
um, I had a little, little time there where I did the vegetarian and vegan things. So I had tried other things and noticed how it, it did make a difference in my body. But it's really when I started eating whole foods, started tracking macros, started tracking my, my caloric intake and, and matching that with my performance in the gym and just how I personally feel. Well, what happens if I do 30% carbs as opposed to 40%? Okay, well, what if I change that to 20%? Okay, that's not enough energy. I got to bump that back up. Um, what happens if I take my fats really low? That's not very healthy. Let me push that back. So just that personal experimenting, in addition to just reading a lot of what other folks were saying about nutrition, understanding the energy balance, understanding the role of, I know you're really big into the role of insulin and insulin resistance. And certainly that ties in very much with the whole processed food story. So that's, that's where it started. It really started when I got into the CrossFit gym, fell in love, really liked the way it made me feel and just watching my performance get better and better, watching my body composition change. And it just was this self-motivating cycle there. I think that's awesome. And it's so simple too. Like what you said is so simple. And I think that living a healthy lifestyle is not, is not complicated but it's not, it doesn't have to be, you're right. Right. You know? And so I think that what sets you apart is you did it. A lot of people start, a lot of people have a hard time maintaining. And I wanted to point out something that I heard that I actually just um, did some work with a one-on-one client before we hopped on this call. And she says, you know, when I'm focusing on losing weight, I don't do as well. When I, when I'm focusing on losing weight, I feel restricted. When I'm focusing on improving my health, I feel empowered. And so I never, ever once heard you say I did this to lose weight. Right. Right. And that's, that's a big topic for me. And when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I want to lose 20 pounds, I mean, if I had my way with them, I'd say, okay, we're going to just ditch your scale. You're not going to look at it for at least the first 90 days, preferably not the first six months. We just don't need that. We're going to work. We're going to concentrate on your performance and how you feel. That's going to be our metric for success and the weight will come, right? If you focus on the weight loss, that's, there's a couple of things that are, that are troublesome there. One is now we're kind of wandering into the diet yeah. mentality. Diets don't work. And there's a number of reasons why diets don't work, but let's work instead to your point, let's work on having a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that you enjoy. And that's rewarding for you. Otherwise you're just not going to keep doing it. If you're going to the gym because your doctor said you had to go to the gym, if you're trying to lose weight because you for whatever reason, you know, I've just, I, you know, I've now I'm up 20 pounds. I need to go on this diet and get back down to there. Well, you get on your diet and maybe you do get back down there, but then what you've done this horrible thing that you hated and you felt restricted and crappy while you did it. And it's not long-term sustainable. So yeah, we've, we've got to figure out how we can embrace a healthy, strong lifestyle that's enjoyable to the individual and not and every individual is an individual, right? That's the idea of being an individual. So there's a little bit of probing and prying to figure out what works for each person. And that's kind of where the magic is. But to your point, yeah, living a healthy, strong lifestyle isn't complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it's not easy. 
Not yeah. easy to implement. Yeah. And you have kind of a three stool. You 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 describe like an analogy or a metaphor of a stool. Can you walk us through your kind of philosophy of what it means to live a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, so I do. I like to look at kind of holistically a healthy, strong lifestyle is going to be like a three-legged stool. And you got to have all three legs of this stool, or the stool's really not very functional. And they are eat, train, and recover. And so eat is all the nutrition principles, train is your exercise and movement, and then recover is that recovery piece, which I throw a lot in there because you have to recover from your workouts. But really, when I talk about recover, I'm, I'm talking about your lifestyle. I'm talking about how are you sleeping? How are you dealing with stress and internalizing that or not? Right. So, yeah, the, those three main principles, that nutrition, that movement, and then that recovery piece. Let's dive into recovery, because that's something we haven't talked about on this podcast. And I think you, you made a really nice distinction there where when you were doing the marathons, when you were doing the triathlons, you didn't really need to worry about recovering because you were in your thirties. Maybe, maybe you got into your forties. I'm not sure about the timeline, but then you kind of re reignited your passion for fitness with CrossFit. And you realized that you had to recover, you know, your body was just at that stage where it needed that rest to rebuild. So let's go ahead. I want you to break down what are the components of recovery and then how do you optimize each of them? Sure. So recovery has got a lot of pieces that go with it. And the most obvious one for folks is probably nutrition. And we'll set that one aside because I suspect you and I may come back to nutrition, yeah. but refueling is absolutely critical. So, for, so that's part of recovery. Oh, it most certainly is. And talk about that a little bit. Yeah. More. So yeah. here's why nutrition is critical to recovery, especially for those of us that are doing more intense or performance type exercise. You, your muscles are hungry for that carbohydrate and that protein right after a workout. And so you want to refuel that. I'm really, really big, especially on people over 50 in building muscle. I want to make yeah. them stronger, physically, literally stronger. And in order to do that, we have to feed muscle. And so that's why, again, why I don't like the diet and I don't like that I need to lose 20 pounds because what you're saying, or what I think you're saying is I want to lose body fat, but you, nobody wants to lose muscle, right? So we want to build muscle and I'm much more interested in building muscle than, than the losing fat, at least initially. So nutrition is a big part. Um, you need to pay attention to your hydration as a big part of, of, uh, of your recovery. Yeah. Everyone and sees my little maternity yeah, bottle here. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't go anywhere without, without yeah. mine as well. So yeah, you want to stay hydrated and that's kind of a 24 seven thing, but absolutely critical, you know, intra workout and post-workout. And I'm a real, again, I stay mostly whole foods here. I will do some whey protein immediately afterwards. And then this is where you get your carbs, folks. It's, it's freebies you can have at. And now I say that, but what I, for me, that's fruit. Typically I yeah. dig into some, some fruit and, uh, and some whey protein immediately after a, a workout. Um, my next one I'm going to go to is going to be your workout frequency. So for those of us that are working out a little more intensely, and you have performance goals, whether that's whether you're a runner or a competitive tennis player or a CrossFit or a rock climber, whatever it is, at our age, we can't do that six, seven days a week. Perhaps we could in our 20s, teenagers, they don't need to worry about recovery, et cetera. But as we get older, we need to pay more attention to recover. We have to allow ourselves to completely recover. 
Um, I'm personally a big fan. I wear a whoop band. I know there's a number of different biometric type things and it, it will give me a recovery score as well as a, a strain score each day and my HRV and break down my sleep. And I take those metrics for what they are, right? They're baselines. And what I'm really looking for there is any big deviations, but it is a good tool and kind of showing my recovery. And when I'm overtraining, and I can, I know to dial that back and I can take that data and overlay it with my feeling and kind of learn to listen to my body, right? Our, all of our bodies are telling us an incredible amount of information. It's just, we've become very de desensitized to that and we can't hear it. So we have to work on learning to listen to our body and interpret what it's saying. So once you get the hang of that recovery piece in terms of when can I work out, when can I go hard again, right? Whether that's three times a week, five times a week. And it's different for different people and certainly different for different levels of athletes. When I started intense CrossFit, that's maybe a three day a week affair. And after a while I can build up to where I, I can, I can compete more aggressively, more frequently, more intensely, et cetera. And then Sleep is probably my favorite. I'm a bit of a sleep nerd. I love sleep. It's the most anabolic substance known to man. It does amazing things for your brain health, but it also literally builds your muscle. You get to build yep. muscle while you sleep, but you have to sleep and you have to have good sleep hygiene. You have to have good sleep practices. And most of us don't, we just kind of take sleep for granted but everybody intuitively knows that feeling when you wake up after a great night's sleep and you're like, yeah, you're ready to go out and get it. And everybody knows that really crappy feeling of getting a few hours of sleep and you're cranky and you're liable to overeat and you just don't feel motivated. It's sleep makes everything better. So, I mean, not getting enough can make us gain weight. It can throw our hormones out of balance. It just, it's, it's not good stuff. So, when I work with people, I want to know how they're sleeping. I want to talk to them about some sleep hygiene, which means can we get some sort of bedtime and wake up time regularity, seven days a week, same with weekends and weekdays. Can we have some sort of a pre-sleep ritual that's the same every night? Let's get those hopefully electronics turned off an hour before bed, things like that. And then the other really big piece of recovery is stress. So as you know, stress is stress can be a wonderful thing, right? We stress our bodies when we work out and ancestrally we had this biological stress response. So the, you know, the proverbial cyber cyber tooth tiger has us pinned against a rock. We've got to figure out, can we fight it or can we flee? And so our body dumps this cortisol and glucose into our blood and all this gets dumped out of, and it's a wonderful thing, right? Cause it's going to give us the power to run away or to fend off this attack. The problem is we've evolved over many, many tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, whatever amount of time where this response has been beneficial to us. It's kept us alive. And now we're in this, all of a sudden in this technological age where we don't need to move to survive. And we don't, hopefully we don't need to fend anything physically off or run for our lives. Right. But we still get these, there's all these other everyday stressors. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. My boss is, sends me an angry email. My wife is yelling at me or whatever those stresses are. They're Wives little stresses. Wives don't yell. Uh, don't oh, yell. sorry. That's right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, well My husband doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, so, but we have all these little stressors and our body doesn't understand the difference 
biologically between that stress and this horrible stress of being attacked and having to fight for our lives. So it's doing those same horrible things. It's dumping this cortisol and it's raising our blood sugar and it's causing this inflammation, which is causing illness. And is just, and that would be fine if you got stressed once in a while, but for most of us, we have this low level stress very frequently. So I'm a big, big um, proponent of figuring out how we identify our stressors. Cause that's step number one, where do you seem to get stressed? And then B, finding ways to de-stress your life. There's a lot of really good um, tools out there. I'm a big fan of prayer or meditation, journaling, even just plain breathing techniques. Wonderful when you find yourself kind of tight in your chest and and you're doing that shallow breathing in the day. If you just take 20, 30 seconds right then and there and do just a, you know, in for four, hold it for a couple and then out for eight, just that longer exhale than inhale, because immediately feel that stress leave your body. So the only other thing I'd throw in there is mobility. So we have in recovery, we're going to do absolutely nutrition. You're going to do the workout frequency, and that's going to be very variable on your intensity and your volume, et cetera. Definitely sleep, de-stress, hydration, and then some mobility work. For those of us that get a little older, we get a little tighter in our joints. We need a little more time to warm up, cool down, but really to make sure that, that we're staying flexible, well-balanced, and that we have that full range of motion available to us in all of our joints. And that's, that is so important. So you're telling me a rest day does not include just laying on the couch and watching Mm -hmm. Netflix for the entire day because you're resting. Is that what you're telling me? I am telling you that you'd be so much what do you better do? <laughs> to, you'd be much better to what we call active recovery is a yeah, great let's talk idea. About that. So that's when I would get outside and go for a walk, go play with kids or grandkids, go take the dog to the park, go do something that you love, go to the, mm-hmm. go to the beach, go to the mountains, Um, but yeah, just to move in general, get on your bike, um, a rest day, you got to be careful that a rest day doesn't turn into a workout day that you're not doing anything Mm. really overly, um, you know, that you're exerting yourself too much, but yeah, a rest day can be anything that you love to do and that you're moving. Um, yeah, it it does not (laughs) include the mobility is so important though, right? Yeah. Yeah, Like laying on the couch, letting your muscles get tired. Do you do any foam rolling? Cause when, when people talk about mobility, they really think about flex. I think about flexibility, but also foam rolling. Is there mm-hmm. any other modality that you use to really work at your mobility? No, not really. I've had okay. some, I've had this off and on um, relationship with yoga. And certainly you could say that that's, that helps with flexibility and mobility, but I'm more of a, a, a massage or a okay. foam roller kind of person. Absolutely. I like that massage. I really, Mm -hmm. that's kind of my treat anymore for like Christmas presents. I just get me massage gift cards, please. I don't need anything material. I just want, I just want to be horizontal during working hours. That's kind of my dream. Mm -hmm. Um, So so I think that those are all really good. We, I want to touch a little bit more about the mindset piece because as we talked about, it is, it is not complicated, but it is not easy. And I think, especially for women, we tend to be caretakers. We tend to live decades of our life, putting the needs of our children or our spouses or aging parents or work or volunteer organizations above our own health. And I say are like I'm 50, but I'm, I'm not. Um, but I'm very, very close to many middle-aged women. 
And so I see it intimately and I see how it affects their health. And I want to just get inside their heads and just wring their brain out and just say, you have got to put yourself first so that you can better serve other people. And when I say that you have to get outside of your comfort zone, if you want to get healthy, I'm talking about your emotional comfort zone. I think a lot of people think about you at CrossFit and doing that heavy training. And and sometimes it's just like saying no to something that, that doesn't light you up, saying no to something that doesn't give you joy so that you can spend that time and energy on yourself unapologetically. How do you do that? How do you help your clients do that? Yeah. So self-care is critical and you're right. I see, especially when females typically are going to struggle with this more often than not, they seem to have that caregiver gene and not always, but very typically it's, it's female clients that are more, well, I I can't because I have to fill in the blank. Right. Um, And they're taking care of, and this, I see this in some of the women in my own life, right? They're taking care of husbands, they're taking care of kids, they're taking care of work, they're taking care of all these other things, and they don't have time for themselves. And when they say something like, well, I don't have time to eat healthy because it requires additional preparation, or I don't have time to go to the gym. Really, what you're saying is, that's not, that's not my top priority. And that's, that your self-care should be your top priority. And that's very difficult for some people to accept because if I'm telling you, yes, you should go to the gym, even if somebody else needs you in that moment, I think you should go to the gym. And here's why. When you take care of yourself first, you are better biologically, physically, emotionally, mentally you're showing up as the best version of yourself for those that you want to serve. So I'm a big proponent of, to your point, getting out of that comfort zone and that comfort zone, it might be just status quo. This is how I do this. This is how I go about my day. This is how I go about my week. These are my routines. These are the people and the things that I take care of. Carve some of that time out for yourself, take care of yourself unapologetically without guilt and then watch how you show up and how you manifest yourself. And you'll be amazed at the differences. It's, it can be a tough sell for people because it yeah. sounds like a selfish thing to say, you know what? I have a lot of things I have to do, get done this week. But one of the things and something, some things may slide off the plate. You know what won't? My self-care because it comes yeah. first. I think that's an important question is if you're going to start to say yes to yourself, what or who are you going to start to say no to? And just mentally rehearsing that, you know, and I think I really believe that we have to pay attention to the ripple effect that our health choices have. And I was coaching, I do office hours every week for my members. And one of them was talking about how she was working until 9 PM just with her job. And, um, I said, I understand that that's your situation right now, but she also has several children in the house. And I said, what example does that set for your children regarding balance and health and putting others ahead of yourself until 9 PM. Right. And then she's exhausted and then she wants to emotionally eat, you know? And so we're talking about it. And sometimes when we're talking about losing weight, it's about setting boundaries, you know, and for her, it's, it's going to take time and that's okay. And giving yourself that grace and patience to say, You don't have to overhaul your entire lifestyle at once, but maybe 
could we set a different boundary in place? Maybe one day a week, you know, maybe two days a week. Can you, can you cut those times earlier? Because if your children see you working all the time, you're setting that example that that's what they should be doing. Is that what you want for them? You know? And so I think that I'm always just big on like, how is whatever I'm doing affecting my children, affecting my relationships? Um, And I think once you reframe it like that, do you want your children to be healthy? Then set a healthy example. Yeah, that's, that, that's well pretty taken. motivating yeah. to me. That, I didn't know if you had any other tips. <laughs> no, no, well, I no, I certainly think that you're right. I, I didn't mention that, but certainly say a mother who's taking time out for herself for going to the gym is setting that that very clear example for her children. So that's a very, very good point. Absolutely. I think asking for help because you know, people might see me and they might know that I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Well, how is she building a business and how is she staying fit? I get help. I ask for, I pay for help. I pay for daycare. And it's like, I think some people, you, you said a limiting thought earlier, not of your own, but of words from other people. I can't because I have to. And so I always say, ask yourself, how can I, how can I get half an hour of childcare a day? How can I get an hour of childcare a day? How can I create an hour in my schedule to work out, to read a nutrition book, you know? And so I think that's a tip is catching your own limiting thoughts. And Kevin just pointed out a really, really good template limiting thought, where if you catch yourself thinking this, that that should be a flag to say, hang on a second self, let's reevaluate that thought. And so it was, I can't because I have to, and then you're going to change that to how can I? Da, 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 whatever I want to do. Right. So let's talk about just to kind of wrap up this interview. I want you to tell me how you yourself stay motivated to work out when you don't want to. And then what advice do you give your clients to do the same? Cause let's be real people. I love to work. I'm sure Kevin loves to work and we like other things. Most days at three 30, that's my current workout time right now. I want to keep working. But most days I get my rear end to the gym. I have strategies to do that. I want to hear your strategies to do that, Kevin. Great. Yeah. I love motivation. Motivation is great when it's here. Yeah. Motivation (laughs) is your fickle friend. Sometimes motivation's right there and it's going to grab you by the hand and say, let's go. And you're going to go, yeah. Other times motivation's nowhere to be found. So a couple of things here. You asked, how do I stay motivated? So there's the question of how do we, how do we manufacture motivation or how do we find motivation? And then there's the, how do we continue to be motivated? Right. Cause that's really the key. Yeah. A lot of us, when we start something, we're very raw, raw, I'm gonna start my diet and start working out. I'm really excited about it. I'm motivated. And there's the novelty of, of beginning this new journey, this new me. Right. But then when no, when motivation's not around, that's, it makes it really tough to, to sustain. So a couple of things. I find that motivation can be cyclical for one thing. So when you start something, you have that excitement, just know going in that you're going to be motivated, you're going to do hard work, and then you're going to be a little less motivated because now you're going to, okay, so I, that was a really hard workout or, you know, I'm feeling a little hungry after, after my meal or, you know, I'm, I used to eat six times a day and now you're telling me to eat three times a day, whatever that change is it's going to be difficult and you have to know that going in, but 
if you can stick with it, I love 90 days. I'm a big, big fan of stick with mm-hmm. something for 90 days. If you hate it at the end of 90 days, we need to change something. We're not doing something right, but stick with it because here's what happens. You let's just use the exercise example. You go in, you're very excited. You get your first few weekend workouts in, you're feeling great. But then the next week your you know, life hits and you're, you're getting really busy. And all of a sudden you don't, you're kind of dreading going to the gym. But if you can push through that little initial dread, what will happen is a couple of weeks later, you're going to say, you know, I've got more energy in the afternoons than I used to have. I feel better about myself. I have this feeling of accomplishment of Mm -hmm. doing something. And that refuels your motivation tank, so to speak. And then you go on to the next cycle. And this is kind of cyclical. This kind of comes and goes where you get back into the monotony. Okay. I know I've got to, you know, it's leg day today and I got to get in there and lift these really heavy weights and oh man, I just, I'm not really feeling it. That's where grit and determination and willpower come in. And it has to be a part of that motivation cycle because it's an important piece of the refueling. So you get going, you're really, really excited. Then all of a sudden you're not so excited, but you get in there, you get it done. And that's your willpower. And honestly, you're going to need you're going to need to have grit. You're going to need to have determination. You're going to need to have willpower. You're going to have to have, you're going to need to have a reason to stick with this. So that's why I always like to do there. You probably know there's a five why exercise. Why do you want to get in shape? Well, because my doctor said so. Well, your doctor said so. Well, because my results were bad. Why do you think your results? And you kind of get on and on and on. And a lot of times we get to a very emotional reason why somebody wants to change. But if, I can't find an internal and intrinsic reason that a person wants to change. That's a big red flag. If somebody's trying to change, well, because my, you know, my wife sent me here or my, my, you know, my kids made me come or my doctor made me come and says, I need to lose weight. And if really that's your motivation, um, that extrinsic, you're going to be, you're going to be hard pressed when it gets really hard to, to, to initiate that willpower, to initiate that determination to push through. But if you can, I feel like you'll see the results on the other side, but you have to have this intrinsic motivation, this intrinsic, intrinsic reason for what you're doing. And you got to be able to see the long, you got to be able to see the picture. So I love using performance. And I I alluded to this earlier Um, for somebody on a weight loss journey, who's just starting, let's say, I say, let's, you know what, let's leave the scale alone. Let's not use that as our metric. Let's find something fun. Let's find a performance or, a benchmark kind of thing. Um, let's see if we can get you to do your first ever pull-up. That's something that's quite often. Well, yeah, you could help up, me with that, that because yeah, I, started like, Good, <laughs> I right? can maybe do one, but then uh-huh. I have to put like those BOSU balls under my feet and then I kind of jump yeah, up and I yeah. kind of look but silly, but that's okay. <laughs> when people hit those milestones, it's very, as you probably know, when you do something you thought you could never do before, it refuels that motivation for you. So you have to have strategies to keep refueling motivation, but just know going in motivation is your fickle friend. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, it just hides everywhere. And then we look for it in the fridge and motivation is not in the fridge. And we look for <laughs> right. it in the pantry and it's not in the Yes, pantry. we do. That's right. I had this thing I thought of, um, you know, you said usually this is kind of where we'll end it on is there's an emotion, an internal emotion. And so I like to say to people, okay, so you want to lose 20 pounds or you want to do this race or whatever it is, whatever that external goal is. What are the emotions that you attribute to that external goal? Is it you'll feel fulfilled, you'll feel successful, you'll feel freedom, 
right? Like from food or from, from thinking about things all the time. Are you going to feel joy? All right. You can feel those things without having reached whatever external number or whatever external circumstance you want, because those are internal. And if you think of it like a compass or like a dial, you can dial into the emotion of joy. You can dial into the emotion of fulfillment. And if you really tune into those emotions more, even like 1% more a day, you're going to be more likely that like rewards your brain. Right. And then you want to do it more often. So if you did your workout, even when you didn't want to, you can reflect and say, what is one thing that made me feel fulfilled or whatever that emotion is that you're grasping for. And then you think, okay, I did that workout when I didn't want to, that made me feel really good about myself and fulfilled. You sit in that and you feel it and you reward yourself emotionally so that your brain can remember how good that felt. Even if it didn't feel good in the moment, even if you didn't want to do it after, but you got to like, you have to intentionally think about what you're thinking about and think about what you want to think about, right? Because we have to mine our thoughts. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up on. I always like to ask guests if um, I remember, which I did, what is your biggest, like, what are you most proud of? What's your biggest accomplishment? Most proud of? Wow. Most pr- proud of, huh? Gosh, yeah, I've got, uh, I have to say I've got two wonderful kids and a loving wife and I have really hit a home run in the family department. So I'm probably most proud of being a husband and a dad and just being here on this journey right now. Awesome. I bet they're super proud of you. Really excited for you. Yeah. I think it's, it'd be really cool. It's always cool to see the back end of a business story. And I'm sure that yours is really cool. So tell people where they can learn more about you, Kevin. Sure. My website is silver-edge.com. So it's silver-edge.com. And you can go there. You can access the podcast from there or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the over 50 health and wellness podcast. So those are the, those are the two starting places. Perfect. And I will link up your email, your website, all of your, your social things um, in the description below this video, if you're on YouTube or the podcast or the blog, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us today. It was a joy to get to know you better. Well, thanks, Dr. Morgan. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I always love hearing my audience's feedback. It really helps shape my content and drive my business forward. I am here to serve. So let me know how I can best help you by letting me know what you find most helpful. Now, there's a couple of ways that you can do this. The first is by entering the new review contest. That's for this podcast. And if you haven't yet taken the time to just leave a rating and a review on your listening platform of choice, that really helps this show get seen by more people so that I can help more people. It's a free way for you to help me and I actually have a little gift in return. So I'm doing this new review contest during the month of June. And if you do that, leave a rating review, take a screenshot and email it to me at mnolte, M-N-O-L-T-E, at weightlossforhealth.com. I'm gonna enter you into a contest. And at the end of the month, I'll draw one person to win a special gift card and thank you from me. It really does mean so much that you listen, but if you haven't yet taken just that minute or two to leave a rating and review, that would be amazing if you could do that. 
And then the second way I love getting feedback is on Instagram. You can follow me at Dr. Morgan Nolte and I'm in my DMs regularly getting back to people about what they love about the show or YouTube videos, whether you're, you know, if you're a YouTuber, you can go ahead and watch this episode on YouTube, but I personally love podcasts and I love just being on this platform and being able to be in your ear, right? It's such a pleasure to have a little routine with you. Even if I've never met you, I appreciate you and I want you to know that. So definitely connect with me on Instagram, enter that new review contest, and I'll talk with you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.